You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio. Going to be joined by Ben McKee and uh, a special guest here for the second segment of this edition of the podcast. A, a, a game day. A game day podcast. This is Tennessee UTSA. It's uh, an interesting game for many reasons that we'll talk about throughout this show. It's a game that I, I think Tennessee maybe thought it would be undefeated for, a game that I think UTSA maybe thought it would be undefeated for, um, but that's not how it's gone. Tennessee 2-1 and one after the loss to Florida last week. UTSA has dropped a, a heartbreaker to Houston and then dropped another heartbreaker to Army uh, last week there in San Antonio, a tough game for the Roadrunners there. But that's a really interesting program that did not exist that long ago and has already you know won 30 games the past three years it's kind of exploded in a in a football crazy city a football crazy state and uh, a game that maybe Tennessee's fortunate that this team's a little banged up right now because UTSA at full strength is uh, is quite a lot to handle and that's why it's won 30 games and two conference titles the past two years but we got a lot to talk about in this episode and I'm going to go ahead and bring on Ben McKee as well Benjamin how you doing my man I'm doing great, Wesley. I'm I'm fired up. We just spoke to JJ Perez, who the good people will hear on the back end of this podcast, covers UTSA uh for us at 247 Sports. And, and he was absolutely awesome. He he was a delight uh to to speak to, very informative, uh, as you would expect. And uh th- those the these type of interviews and, and these type of games, they, they get me fired up because you get to learn you get to learn about something that you don't really know about. Like we we know about Florida and Georgia, all these SEC teams that Tennessee plays uh, yearly and multiple times in in other sports. So uh, it, it's really cool to to peel back the curtain and and, and learn not only about uh, a football program that you rarely cross paths with, but also kind of their culture, their athletic department. Uh, that I I loved. You know, having Jackie on to to talk Virginia and and uh, Brian Reeves to talk Austin P, the the voice of the governors there, and, and just learning about these schools that that Tennessee doesn't really, you know, come across paths with uh, very all, often. And then for Austin P and UTSA specifically, like we talk about conference realignment over and over and over again at the SEC level, at the Power Five level, and, and we see that impact, but we don't see the impact. The, the bottom of the sport and and the trickle down effect. So uh, to to hear about Austin P transitioning into the conference that they're in now and or about to be in next year, I guess. Uh, and then now UTSA is is in the American. 
uh, it's real cool to hear about these different programs and and kind of everything that they have going on. So I kind of wasn't all that excited for this football game on Saturday just because uh, I I feel a little hungover from covering this Florida loss last weekend and then traveling. But uh, I'll be honest, speaking to to JJ pumped some life into me. Yeah, he's one of those guys who's just kind of got an infectious spirit about him and you just kind of – He's one of those guys that you're like, I like that guy. That's uh, that that's the vibe, the strong vibes that he gives off. And I'll tell you too, one thing that I've always found about a lot of these the the programs that are non SEC, non Power Five programs, when you talk to people who cover them, it's usually a smaller number of people, but oftentimes they know more about the team that they're covering as much or more than the average media person does who covers like a, a Power 5 program because there aren't as many people around. The access can be a little bit better and you can get better information. You know, you feel like you get to know more people and you get to hear more stuff. So I think it's, and, and talking to JJ, he's very clearly a guy who knows quite a bit about that team, but also not in the kind of way where he's like, oh, they're going to come in here and put 50 points on Tennessee. Like he's realistic about things. He, he was pretty candid about what he thought would happen in the game and, and some of the strengths and also weaknesses of that team and how disappointing in some ways this, the start to the season has been. So we'll, we'll get to all that in the second segment, and we won't take too much time in this first segment because we want to get to that. We spent, I think, a little more than half an hour with J.J. and could have talked to him for another couple hours. It was just a really fun conversation. So we'll get to that, but before we do that, let's go ahead and discuss where things are for Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee is not in the position it wants to be right now. This is a team that... Uh, last season was one one bad performance in Columbia, South Carolina, away from being in the college football playoff. And and now this is a team that has opened SEC play with a loss this season. Already has gotten a loss well before it, it had one this time last year. So this is a team that is searching for some answers. It's a team that's had some issues pop up this season. I, I think some that were possibly – definitely or possibly expected some that I think were not expected some that are at least a little bit surprising there are some issues that need to be corrected and you always wonder about where a team's headspace is uh, when you go into a season talking about playing for championships again and all these other things and then you get a loss early on well then you get pushed up against the wall pretty early and you start finding out who's real who's there who's fighting, who's in this thing, who's checked out. You, you you get to see some of that stuff after one loss. It, it starts showing up. So I'm interested to see sort of where this team is in its headspace, Ben. Absolutely. I, I kind of have my three things that I'm looking for this week as it pertains to just simple football, pitching it, catching it, tackling, blocking, getting off block, stopping the run, those those typical things we talk about when, when previewing a, a football game. Uh, but first and foremost – the the adversity the early season adversity that this team is now dealing with i think that is something that i am fascinated uh to to learn about and i think this is the perfect opponent for the situation that tennessee is in uh, it's it's not austin p it's not even virginia I, I would say utsa is is better than both of the first two teams that that tennessee yeah, played agreed. maybe maybe more of an interesting debate conversation because uh, UTSA is pretty banged up right now, uh, but it's a really good football program. So it's better than than an FCS program or, or a Virginia program that is in just disarray right now. Uh, but it's also not Florida. It's not South Carolina. It's not Texas A Texas A and M. 
it's that nice in between to where you can legitimately get better and learn more about yourself. Uh, and theoretically, you don't have to sweat it, sweat it out in the process. It's not a four quarter game that, that comes down to the wire. At least it's not supposed to be. So uh, that, that is, that is the, the thing that I am most looking forward to learning about with this football team uh, because they are staring at adver- adversity right in the face right now they are backed up into a corner right now uh we just assumed that the leadership would take over from last year's team and set in with this year's team uh and and we are about to find out if that is true i I personally have started to question the leadership a a little bit more uh with with how that florida game went and and i don't mean to to alarm people when i say that but it's just I I say that in the sense of I should not have assumed that the leadership was going to just flat out be okay. Sports don't work like that, and and I was foolish uh, to think that it would. So uh, I want to see Joe Milton be the quarterback of the football team, be the leader that he he appears to be or or he puts on publicly. You kind of got to back up your appearance at some point. And and there's also guys, not just Joe Milton, there's other guys on offense that that need to prove themselves as leaders as well. There's guys on the defensive side uh, also. Uh, So that's something I'm very interested in learning this weekend, just how Tennessee handles adversity. Because I think I said it on, on the Go Vols 247 podcast at some point this week, this game against UTSA, and next week's game against South Carolina, we're going to learn a lot about how this football season is going to go by how Tennessee performs over the next eight days. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that I'm kicking myself for, it's not that I didn't take it seriously. I did, but I don't think I fully understood the magnitude of some of the character that that was in Tennessee's senior class last year. You know, you, you talked about some of the guys that could be knuckleheads, right? You're Jeremy Banks and Juwan Mitchell, and you were happy to – you weren't unhappy to kind of part ways with some of those guys for different reasons. And then in terms of the talent, like we all saw some of the guys who who got drafted, but I'm not even talking about pure talent right now. I'm talking about – some of the character, some of what those guys are all about, like what's their, what are they made of? What what kind of stuff is inside those guys? And and I'm talking about obviously your Hendon Hookers, no question, but but also you know your your Jerome Carvins, your Latrell Bumpuses, you know your um, Princeton fans, guys who. Are Cedric Tillman, Cedric Tillman's your your guys who some of them were are in the league now, some of them are not, but. These were guys who, like last season when Rodney Garner would talk about Latrell Bumpus, it would almost be in like reverent tones, like how much he loved that kid. And everyone knows how everyone talked about Hendon Hooker from day one through the entire time he was at Tennessee on that campus. Jerome Carvin, the respect that he had in that locker room. What that dude said, people listened. And you wonder, with some of those guys gone, you had some of the other sort of quiet, steady Eddie leader types, like your Jacob Warrens and some of those guys come back. And, and that was big, and it still is big for Tennessee. But some of those guys, it's not like there was a large number of them, but these were guys who didn't just show up and clock in. Like, they did extra stuff, and, and they did work with a purpose, and they talked with a purpose. And you wonder, I don't want to sit there and say Tennessee's suddenly rudderless. I mean, the whole thing started with Heupel, and Josh Heupel's still there. Like, I'm not... I'm not going to pretend like one loss, Ben, and all of a sudden 
everything's falling apart, things are on fire, you know, everybody's running for their lives. I, I, I don't want to go that extreme because I think that's stupid. But I do think it's fair to say that there was a, a leadership core of that, that team, the, that rebuild, that's not there. And the guys who have stepped into those roles are not leading at that level. Because I think as a pure talent perspective, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, quarterback's different. Some other things are different. But I don't know that the talent level on this team is dramatically different. I don't. I think some of the, some of the perhaps veteran leadership is much different. Yeah, the, the the talent thing is a, a fascinating conversation that that's more for a Tuesday or Thursday podcast. But uh, I'm very curious to see w- what the leadership looks like these next eight days, and, and what the how they battle adversity as as well. Because it's it's easy to say all the right things. It, it, it really is. You, you, everybody knows what to say for appearance and to to appease people. And and to to make it sound like everything is is perfectly okay. And again, I, I want to repeat repeat that that Wes and I are not trying to to signal off the alarms or, or raise red flags. It's it's just it's it's kind of almost now or never. Um, and I know that sounds maybe crazy after three games, but I say that in the sense of I believe that how Tennessee performs against UTSA and how. Uh, they perform against South Carolina next weekend is going to it's going to be a telltale sign of of how the season is going to go. Uh, if it looks like it did against Austin P in Florida, then this isn't a good football team. Maybe not a bad team, but it's not a good football team, uh, and it's certainly not going to be the team that we thought it was going to be. But if they come out and and they pick up two nice wins these next eight days, then uh, maybe this team did turn a corner. But they've they've got to go out and prove it. They've got to go out. Uh, and show it it's it's frankly it's time to stop talking and it's time to start proving your abilities that that's kind of where I'm at with this football team right now yeah I think that and not to fast forward to next week because this game still has to be played but when I think about that South Carolina team I, I think that's a game at home Tennessee should win but Tennessee is absolutely going to have to play hard to win that game because we sit here all the time and, and joke about some of the Shane Beamer stuff because it's easy to do because he just walks, runs headfirst into it with how gooberish he can be. But kind of like a like a gym teacher out there. But like he's going to get his guys fired up to go play a game. Like they're going to, you know, they're going to come into Neal Stadium and they're going to be ready to play hard. You're going to have to play hard to beat him. His guys love him. Yes. He, he's, he's corny from the outside looking in, but his players love him. Yes, they do. And they have not lost enough yet to where they've gotten annoyed with him, which I think will be a, the thing he'll have to, he'll cross that at some point. He'll have to kind of get through that threshold. But um, once, he, once he reaches, he's going to kind of find a, a, an off speed pitch, so to speak. But, um, but that's another issue for another day. Right now, it's about Tennessee playing UTSA. And I think there's a lot of things in this game, Ben, that some of the things that Tennessee did last week wrong are things that, you know, they're not necessarily having to do with who you're playing. They might, in some cases, have to do with where you're playing because you're playing in the swamp at night. It's loud. You're going to have some procedural issues, yada, yada. But from a basic kind of fundamental base level standpoint here. You can play hard or you cannot play hard. You can try to make every tackle or you can not try to make every tackle. You can focus before the snap or you cannot focus before the snap. There are things that 
that Tennessee either can or either will or won't do in this game that I will be keeping a close eye on and things that I think will matter for the long run. And it's not necessarily about, you know, playing a mistake-free football game or, you know, you can't turn the ball over ever or, you know, mistakes happen. Football games are chaos. The opening kickoff, you have all these plans. Everybody makes all these plans and they draw up all these things about a million things they want to happen. Then the ball's kicked off and things go sideways and nothing goes the way you expected and it's crazy and you have to survive it. That's what happens every week playing this game. But there are things that you can control that say more about the culture and character of your program. And there needs to not be a single version in this game, a single instance of a Tennessee player half-assing a tackle. There needs to be no instances of repeatedly getting beat one-on-one when it looks like focus maybe is the issue and not just pure talent. There needs to be no serious finger pointing. There needs to be like they there are things that you can control and things you cannot control. And some of these things in this game Tennessee doesn't necessarily have to control to win this game, but whether or not they show that in this game will mean a lot for me for the long run. Absolutely. And uh ho- hopefully as as we record this on Thursday night uh, while for Tennessee fans, there's a pretty cool Thursday night football matchup between Jawan Jennings and Jalen Hyatt on the television. Hopefully a, a a starter on Tennessee's football team is is not out on this Thursday night uh, doing illegal things and, and breaking the law like there was this this time last Thursday night. It would that, be a step would be in the nice, right direction, yeah. Would be a nice step in the right direction. But uh, that, that kind of leads me into my three things that, that I think are very important this week, Wes, uh, and we'll start with number one is the the play of both lines of scrimmage, uh, and, and you'll hear JJ Perez here in a minute talk about uh, where UTSA is at, both with their offensive line and their defensive line, and it's actually pretty similar to the situation that Tennessee has yeah. going on, yeah, it is. Uh, where that that UTSA offensive line is it's banged up right now. They're having to move a ton of guys around. That that from the outside looking in sounds like the weakness of this UTSA football team right now. Uh, And Oh, by the way, it sounds like their star quarterback may not even make the trip so that he is ready for conference play here in in two weeks. So this is a UTSA offensive line that a, what I still think is a talented Tennessee defensive front should take absolute advantage of. It'll be very disappointing if Tennessee is not able to have success up front defensively. Uh, and I've said it throughout the week. I, I thought that first half was more of an outlier than anything for Tennessee's defense. Uh, I thought the second half, the way they performed in the second half, was, was more of what you're going to get over the course of the season. We'll, we'll see if that turns out to be true. But this is, without a doubt, a matchup that Tennessee's defensive front should win uh, and that would inspire confidence going into South Carolina because South Carolina's offensive line is on the struggle bus as well. Uh, and then for Tennessee offensively with their offensive line banged up right now, we'll see what Cooper Mays does. We'll we'll see if Gerald Mincy gets in on offense, uh, but it's going to be going up against a, a deep UTSA defensive line, according to JJ. Uh, sounds like they maybe play like a 3-4 defense with with three defensive linemen and he said at all three defensive line spots they rotate three guys now they're not sec defensive linemen 
but there's still defensive linemen from a really good college football program in the state of Texas. So uh, this is going to be a sneaky good test for for Tennessee's offensive line, and they've they've got to take a step in the right direction to start figuring this thing out up front offensively. Yeah, I'm already regretting one thing I did not ask JJ, which is when he talked about UTSA having a three four base defense. I wanted to ask him. Okay, but like you, no one's ever in their base defense really against Tennessee. You're 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 always in your, whatever your version of nickel is. So are are you in a is it a three three five situation or a four two five situation? I'll be interested to see kind of how that goes there. And if uh, Frank Harris does not get to play in this game, and it's a shame because Tennessee fans would enjoy but also not enjoy watching a healthy Frank Harris play quarterback for UTSA because he is – I don't know if he's ever an NFL quarterback or anything, but he's been there for like, what, this is his seventh year, and he is a fantastic playmaker. He's a guy who's fun to watch. He can run around. He can – you know, he doesn't have a huge arm, but he's he's bold with the throws he makes, and they work a lot of times. He, he's, he's a very talented football player, and if he's not – there at quarterback. It looks like it'll be sophomore Eddie Lee Marburger, who sounds like he should be playing center forward for Bayern Munich, but he's actually a UTSA quarterback. So uh, we'll, we'll see what the, the what the deal is there. Um, but that obviously is a much different offense with or without Harrison. It's still a good running back, still some good wide receivers, still some questions on the, on the offensive line. That's not changing. But, I mean, let, let's not pretend that that Tennessee's defense inspired a tremendous amount of confidence in the first 30 minutes against Florida last week. I mean, it it, it was really Florida should have had more points than it had in the first half. It it, it you know had some missed PAT, missed two point play, missed um, uh, let's see, missed PAT, missed field goal. Uh, settled for field goals a couple times when you really were they're close to scoring there. The, the, they that could have been even worse than it was. Tennessee was kind of fortunate to be hanging around in that game, um, which would have made it a fun story if Tennessee had been able to execute offensively in the second half and and make those plays and maybe get a couple better calls and then things go a little differently. But um, we'll see. That's in the past now. Florida is done. UTSA is here, and I'm interested to to see how focused Tennessee is if this if Tennessee. I think it's going to win the game pretty much regardless. Uh, that I, that's kind of where I'm at with this. I could be famous last words, but I think it's a matter of how comfortable it is for Tennessee and what Tennessee looks like playing the game. Absolutely, and that that kind of leads me into my second and, and third things that, that I think are very, very important this week in terms of getting back on track as you get back into SEC play. And, you know, that first thing, offensive line play, defensive line play, that that is more ability and personnel, I guess you could say. But pre-snap penalties have have really nothing to do with ability. I mean, everybody who plays football should be able to not commit pre-snap penalties. That That is pure focus, concentration, whatever word you want to use. Uh, that 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 is, I mean, it's a no no. Like you should never commit a pre snap penalty. It, it's really that simple. And it wasn't just uh, so offense the, last week, Ben. It was remember the fourth and one people, the fourth and one with Karat Garland, a guy who's been at Tennessee yep. forever, doing the yep. one thing everyone knew Florida was just going to try to jump Tennessee offside. Every, it was clear that was going to happen. But they're running out the clock, the end of the quarter, just trying to get Tennessee to jump. They they were not going to run a play. Uh, and it, like that, that is something you can absolutely control, w- which is why you've heard Josh Heupel and, and Tim Banks and Joey Halsley say all week long that most of the issues 
are things that they can control, and it's things like that. So you, you've got to clean up the pre-snap penalties. You, you just have to. Uh, you, you cannot allow that uh, to, to get you behind the sticks offensively. Obviously, it was a much bigger issue on the offensive side of the football, uh, and everybody's upset about the tempo. Everybody's upset about the play calling. It, it's hard to get into tempo. It, it's hard to call plays when you're committing pre-snap penalties on first down and playing behind the sticks. It, it, it just is. So that, that's got to be cleaned up. That, that's just a pure focus thing. Uh, and then I kind of think my third thing fall, falls along those lines as well, Wes, and, and that's simply clean up the tackling. Uh, y- yes, tackling is a skill it's it's something you have to physically be good at but i also think part of it is mental as well and the effort as you mentioned earlier there should never be bad effort on a tackle and i thought patrick did a great job of kind of explaining two different situations on our thursday podcast like wesley walker had two ugly missed tackles but it was because he allowed his technique his fundamentals his form to break down it wasn't because of lack of effort like you saw from Kamal Haddon those are two different situations and just the the whole mental aspect of this football game is kind of the thing that that I'm looking at the most and and going to evaluate the most with this Tennessee football team right now uh, going back to the adversity that we talked about them facing right now, the the penalties that they need to cut down on, uh, and then also the tackling on the defensive side of the ball. So some of those efforts there were just simply pathetic. And if I'm Willie Martinez and I see a particular defensive back give the same effort uh, that he gave against Florida, automatically on the bench and not coming off the rest of the game. I, I'm I don't understand why he has remained in the lineup I said knowing that, I, that he I said that he has a week. track record and a resume of doing these things. Like he'll make a play here and there, but then there's more of the non-effort plays, more of the celebration when you didn't really do anything. Uh, so I, I'm sitting some guys down if if they want to continue to give the, the same effort. And it's and it's really just like one or two guys. Uh, but like that can't continue to happen because that, that kind of stuff is infectious because Tennessee was up seven to nothing. And Kamal Haddon gives that weak blanking effort on that tackle on ETN and he busts a long run. That changed the entire momentum of that football game. Everybody can talk about the Joe Milton pick. That was really bad. That did not help stop the Florida momentum. But what got all the momentum going was that long run in which Kamal Haddon just threw a hip at a guy. What if he makes that tackle and Tennessee gets a stop on that drive? And then Joe goes down the field and, and scores again. Tennessee maybe wins that game. I going mean, that, away, that, maybe wins it going away because everyone there is on is on, is teetering on the brink yep. of where is that program? That place, they could gone. That could have gone nasty. Yep, that place was nasty at, at kickoff. It was very very loud at kickoff. Press box was swaying, and then when Ramel Keaton caught that touchdown to 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 put Tennessee up seven nothing after uh, Tennessee had blocked the field goal, that place was quiet. That place was quiet, and that tackling effort allowed Florida to come alive. So, uh, again, the missed tackles, pre-snap penalties, and then the the line of scrimmage, those are kind of the three things that that I'll be evaluating very closely uh, this weekend against UTSA. Yep, there's a couple other things. Last thing I'll say before we go to break here is there's a couple of interesting local uh, ties here uh, in this game. Uh, For a lot of people in Blount County there, We'll remember uh, Tyke Ogle Kellogg, the receiver from Alcoa High School, who is a fifth-year 
uh, senior there playing for UTSA, a wide receiver who who, who plays some. He's he's so so that that'll be nice. It's always nice when local kids come home. And then uh, Martavius French, who began his career at Tennessee uh, at um, as a linebacker there, came in with uh, McDonald and Eason. And they were all kind of playing together there in Memphis in high school, and he is now there at UTSA. So there's a couple of a couple of ties there. You know, the football world is is can be a small world sometimes, and those are a couple of the connections there that that will be interesting to see. But I think. Uh, with all due respect to what I think is one of the better stories in college football the past couple of years in UTSA, I think this game, especially from Tennessee standpoint, obviously, is more about Tennessee than about UTSA. This is about uh, what kind of a focus, what kind of a determination, what kind of a grit does Tennessee have after what happened last week. You, you got a whole offseason of people saying all these nice things about you and how you're back as a program, and and now guess what? Now you got the, the jewel class of the world saying you're duds and that you last year all you had was a couple of special players who made people think this program was back to being something it's, it's not right now. So you know what? If you want more doubt, there you go. People were being nice to you, Tennessee, and look what you did with it. Now a lot of people are calling you mediocre again. A lot of people are calling you and also ran again. What are you going to do about that? No doubt about it. They're they're staring adversity in the face, and I am very very interested to see how they they handle the adversity these next eight days or so. It, it I'll say it again. It it's going to be very telling and and be a sign of of things to come for the rest of the season. And UTSA also has a wide receiver named Justice Hurt, which has nothing to do with anything. They also have a wide receiver named Choo Choo Doe. So, you know what? I'm already getting – the more that we talk about this game, the more excited I'm getting about it. So, uh, let's uh, let's see. Sometimes justice, it hurts. So, yeah, the uh, last week hurt for Tennessee, and we'll see if this weekend is any different. But uh, we're, what we're going to do now is, uh, is step back from our hurt for a second that we've been putting on our vocal cords for the past few minutes. We're going to step away for a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll be right back here with our special guest, our good – good friend JJ who covers uh, JJ Perez who covers UTSA for 24/7 Sports and does a great job so uh stick around we'll be right back with that interview here in just a second hashtag #ad This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, joined by Ben McKee, uh, the who needs no introduction, and, and really, I, I mean that, needs zero introduction just because he doesn't deserve it. Uh, we're also going to be joined by our good friend, uh, our new friend, but our good friend already, I can just tell. J.J. Perez, who covers UTSA, Texas, San Antonio for the 24-7 Sports Network. We got a lot of things to discuss. This is a really interesting game, an interesting opponent, two teams that are not having the seasons they want to this point, but it's just uh, it's not even October yet. So let's let's wait and see where this thing goes. Before we get to all that, though, just a quick requ- reminder, request, requinder. We'll use that word. We'll, we'll find it at some point. Please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website there on GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVols247 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see out there walking around town. Tell people you see at the golf course. Tell people you see out there at church on Sundays or Saturdays if that's when you go. Tell people uh, just walking around town, man. Anybody that you see, people that that, that are not your friends yet, you tell them about this podcast. Maybe you'll become best friends. You never know. It's the, it's the pay it forward. Please, please do that. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Let's get right into it here. Let's bring in our our new friend, but our good friend, J.J. Perez, who covers UTSA for the 24-7 Sports Network there at InsideRunnerSports.com. J.J., how you doing, my man? Doing great. Uh, getting closer to game day. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm doing all right. Ben, you doing all right? I am doing absolutely phenomenal. That's great, man. That's great. The Steelers, uh, you know, like won a game, so that's that's good for Ben. He's he's feeling good about things. I'm watching the Cubs uh, crash and burn on their way to another season short of the playoffs. But other than that, other than that, we're all we're all doing great. And uh, I imagine things are not quite great for the Vols. Also, not quite great for UTSA. JJ, I, I know a lot of people certainly thought that Tennessee would be unbeaten heading into this matchup. And looking at that schedule, I got to think there's some, some people who thought UTSA also might be undefeated going into this. I know that you open the season at Houston. There's, there's no guarantee there. You know, Holgo can still coach the game. You never really know. But uh, I think the way things have been going for the Roadrunners the past couple of years, I imagine that they they thought they might be 3-0 right now. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, that uh, that Houston game was a real tough one. It, going back to last year, a lot of people thought you know U- UTSA let Houston off the hook. That that game went into double overtime, I think, in San Antonio to start the season. And you know Houston made the the move to the Big Twelve this year, so it, the Roadrunners kind of felt like they let them off the hook again this year. And then you know they had a rivalry game against Texas State that they they barely squeaked by in, and then. Uh, a poor showing defensively against Army this last week. So, you know, they're one and two. Like Bill Parcell says, you are who your record is, right? But they kind of feel like they might be better than that record. Uh, obviously, they got a few injuries. They got to get through to navigate early in the season, the the main one to quarterback Frank Harris. But, um, yeah, certainly not the start people envision coming off back-to-back 
conference champions champions the last two uh, the last two seasons. Yeah, and now they're transitioning to the American uh, this season. Uh, just w- what has that transition been like for, for not only the football program but the athletic department as a whole? Uh, just just how significant is that for the university, and and uh, what are the next steps as UTSA gets into the athletic? The 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 biggest thing is going to be the 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 television exposure. I mean, UTSA played on ESPN for the first time in the regular season on Friday, last Friday night. So, uh, I mean, you could, I, all of their bowl games have been on ESPN, but just that exposure, I think there's a highlight video that the, a Hail Mary pass, it's up to like 9 million views that ESPN put out a highlight on. So just never, I mean, you're talking about a conference from Conference USA before where most of the stuff was streaming. I mean, you're hundreds of thousands at the most viewers and I, I think that ESPN game last Friday might have been, you know, north of 1.8 million viewers. So uh, it just more exposure. Obviously, the, the the television revenue that comes with that is a big deal for a kind of a mid to low tier athletic budget that, you know, UTSA has. That they're kind of middle of the road in the, the new Americans. So. Um, lots of excitement, lots of exposure, but a lot of challenges. You know, they, they got to get the facilities up to speed. They got to get the athletic budget up, get uh, Jeff Trailer a, a recruiting staff. I, I mean, UTSA's had the best uh, G5 re- recruiting classes the last two years, and UTSA doesn't have a dedicated recruiting staff. It, it's wild. So uh, a, a lot of growth and excitement around UTSA, but still some growing pains for sure. When you think about how many people are on Tennessee's recruiting staff, it just you think about how like there are times where you have to stop and, and remind yourself, hey, this isn't how everybody gets to live, right? Like I remember, right. I remember starting uh, my career the first couple of years. I, I covered an FCS program, uh, and at the time, it's over time, it's become a better FCS program. But still, like it, it, I mean, you saw the offices and what the coaches were dealing with, and. You know, things like, hey, is there any paper in the printer right now? Like, just like yeah. the, the dumbest things that you would never in a million years think about at a place like Tennessee. But but that that's just how it goes. And I, But I think, J.J., there, there's a lot of people that are listening to this that probably just want to focus on this game. And I will get right to all that, I promise. But, you know, because you got UTSA fans who are going to know everything that you're about to say already. And then you got Tennessee fans that are like, oh, my team just lost to Florida. I want to win this game. Tell me about this game. But but I think the UTSA story is a really, really neat one. This is a program that was not playing football that long ago. Just, like, didn't exist. I, you know, I, I know who mo- what most of the D- Division One sort of the nicknames or mascots are when UTSA joined. I, I didn't know. I was like, what, Roadrunner? I, I, I had no idea, right? I mean, there's a high school not far from me that's called the Roadrunners, but <laughs> I didn't know there was like a college team called the Roadrunners. And this team came from nowhere to being pretty respectable pretty soon and then became one of the best, you know, if not the best group of five program in the country. How amazing has that story been just just from going from not existing to this already? I know Texas is a good football state, but not everybody in that state wins in football. Ask Rice, ask others. It's There's nothing given about it. Yeah, it, it's been a, a, a meteoric rise I, I, so fast. I mean, they you're talking 2011. They went from uh, independent to getting a 
invitation to the Western Athletic Conference. They played one year in the WAC and they got into the Conference USA. And then every time realignment has come, UTSA has been in a really good position to move. And this last round, the American presented itself. So just, you know, from nothing with Larry Coger, literally a year talking, practicing at a high school football field down the road from the campus. They built on-campus practice fields. They they ended up borrowing jerseys, I think, from UTEP and, and pads to practice. Um, to now, you know, they have a $40.5 million state-of-the-art practice facility. They're trying to get a an indoor pavilion cover. Um, you know, they're trying to, to, to raise funds for more recruiting staff, you know, keep the, the, the coordinators. They, they've had their coordinators poached in each of the last three seasons. Um, so it's, it, it's growing pains for sure, but it's been so much fun because the novelty was great when it started. Uh, a lot of fans, then it got rough. It got, it got rough. They, they, you're going against established programs and they lost a lot of games. And now under Jeff trailer here, He's turned things around and, you know, he's turned them into a winner and the expectations are high. And that kind of leads into this week where, you know, nobody's really expecting anything from the Roadrunners and, you know, they're not off to the great start. But, you know, how are they going to compete? Is that going to, you know, what? how does this program continue to climb the mountain, so to speak? So it, it's been fun watching this thing since the beginning. And I, I who knows what the future holds? I, I mean, they might have been in the conversation last year had things fallen right for, you know, a, a New Year's Six game. And you look at the way the playoff is going to change. It may be easier to make it from the G5 level to a New Year's Six game than, you know, it is from the Power Five level. So uh, a lot of excitement around the program and certainly a great time to, to cover it and be around it. Yeah, and last season for the college football diehards, UTSA was one of the the, the, the must watches every single Saturday. And that's because of Frank Harris, obviously one of the most exciting players in the sport uh, as it pertains to this season, kind of a two-parter for you. What were the expectations coming into the year and what has gone wrong? I imagine Frank Harris not being healthy has, has led to, to the one and two start that was uh, not expected. And, uh, just your thoughts on on him playing Saturday. It, it seems from the outside looking in, maybe weighing the decision of trying to take advantage of a Tennessee team that that hasn't been playing its best football or getting him ready for conference play. Is that kind of the the thinking over over there as well? Yeah, it's a double edged sword. So Frank almost didn't come back to UTSA. He he decided to come back for a seventh year in the off season. He got a nice little NIL deal to to help, you know, help him with that decision. But then, you know, a normal, I guess, getting his knee scoped procedure, he got an infection. He had to have multiple surgeries. There were complications. You know, long story short, he was in a wheelchair in spring ball. And he was uncertain up until about July if he was going to come back. So he was all, all off season. And, you know, he's turned himself into a real good quarterback. I, I don't think he's a prototypical pro-style quarterback. He doesn't have a gr- a strong arm or great vision. But, you know, he's a guy that's had a lot of reps. He's 36 straight starts for the Roadrunners until last week. So he, he needs that time to, you know, have the continuity with his wide receivers. And he just hasn't had that. So 
he was rusty in week one. He looked like he was turning the page in week two to his old self. And then he got hurt with the turf toe. And they, they list him as day-to-day. I, I don't know that he's going to end up making the trip. I think it's 50-50 if he travels. And I, it, if he does, it'll be a game-time decision because UTSA is open next week. And then they start conference play at Temple the following week. And, you know, the goal is to win and compete for that American Athletic Conference Championship. And that really starts in two weeks. So all of their goals are still ahead of them, despite how things have started this season. With Frank being in a wheelchair in the spring, did did that temper expectations coming into the year? Well, they they did a good job of keeping that under wraps because – like they didn't know and we didn't learn until mid July whenever media day was until he was forthcoming about his four off season surgeries i think th- this was and it was kind of a surprise and a shock to everyone in texas that he had gone through so much so so no i mean everybody just kind of knew they were holding him out cuz he's got a lot of reps and a lot of mileage and there's no need to get, give the younger guys some time behind him um, but yeah, as it turns out, that may have been a blessing in disguise. Frank's Frank's got a lot of miles miles on him. It was probably not likely that he made it through this season 100% healthy anyway. So UTSA kind of gets to see what they have behind them. Eddie Lee Marburger, his backup, uh, played exceptionally well last week. Um, near 70% completion rate, three touchdowns. And, you know, it looks like UTSA has a quarterback behind him. So uh, we'll see how that translates into Saturday. It's so funny to me to think about a conference game being, you know, Texas San Antonio flying to Philadelphia to play Temple. Like it's like yeah. you know, even it the way college sports are are getting these days. Even like like it'd be like an AL West game where like a team from right. Texas goes out to like California. I mean, it's just such a it's a crazy thing to think about. But when I, I want to ask you about it last week because. You know, um, Ben and I both have a lot of of family who are who are in our, in the army, so we're both sort of sort of secretive like army black knights fans. Like not like I've got like I got a hoodie. Like I know Ben's got some stuff. Like it's and when you think of army playing San Antonio, it's so cool because San Antonio is such a great military town. But yeah. I can't imagine that UTSA wanted that game to go that way, and I can't imagine that. that army offense, it throws a little more than it used to, but it's still, it's just a completely different kind of football. And you can look up and all of a sudden they can put like a 30 or 40 burger on you because you just, it just happens sometimes. It just does. Was that a matchup kind of deal or they just don't see that very often? Or was that like alarm bells going off a little bit last week, army's production on offense? Because I know UTSA really likes that defensive line that it's got and some other pieces on that defense. Yeah, UTSA's had two really strong outings in the first two weeks uh, on defense. I mean, really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking historic, like this is going to be a really good defense. And then they took a step back last week. And for whatever reason, every time UTSA and Army get together, I think this is the third matchup in the Jeff Trailer era. Uh, Army's just had their number. Even the one game UTSA beat Army, it was in overtime in West Point. It was a struggle. So Army did a real good job of of springing some surprises on UTSA's defense. I, I think 70% of the game plan they used in week three, they didn't use in weeks one or two. They didn't put anything on film because it's a brand new offense. It's still option-based, but out of the gun and pistol. So 
I mean, UTSA just, I mean, Coach Trailer said they were out-coached, out-schemed, and I think that was uh, had a lot to do with it. But still, a one-possession ball game um, with the backup quarterback, they, you know, they dominated time of possession. I think it was 45 minutes to 15 minutes, like one of the most lopsided time of possessions in 15 years in college football, someone wrote or something. So it, it they're hoping that's just an aberration because of the style that they saw against army. That's nothing you're going to see the rest of the season, but obviously there is some concern with just, you know, they, they got outmatched in the trenches and, and they're usually really good there with their defensive line. So we'll see, this is another physical matchup this week for the Roadrunners. And I know they're going to be looking to see at least how their guys compete in the trenches. JJ, walk, walk us through covering Jeff Trailer. He, he's, he's a seems like a fascinating personality. Uh, just some of the clips I've seen from his press conferences this week. Uh, and then B, I mean, he's one of the, He's one of the best coaches in college football, quite frankly, uh, right now. I see 31 and 12 at, at UTSA. Uh, I, I imagine those facilities that you were mentioning earlier about trying to get those built quick, fast, and, and in a hurry uh, will be expedited with how great uh, Jeff Trailer is. Just uh, what kind of makes him tick and, and what makes him so great? So, I mean, he's a longtime, longtime high school football coach, right? Came from East Texas, uh, a legend in East Texas. Won, won, you know, multiple state champions before he went off to to Texas under Charlie Strong. So he was there for a while, went to SMU, went to Arkansas, and then UTSA brought him in. So, you know, he's a he's known as a, a, a tireless recruiter. I think he's been scout arrivals recruiter of the year a handful of times. And that's really what he brought to UTSA from the jump street, just a different level of recruiting um, a more fundamental, just, you know, the way thing doing things, the way he, things haven't been done here before from a recruiting angle. So, you know, that there was a little bit of talent on the roster when Frank Wilson, uh, was let go before trailer and he just kind of cultivated that. So, you know, a good recruiter, a good X's and O's coach. And, you know, he's got this culture and mentality that, uh, the team is bought into it. They call it the triangle of toughness and it's San Antonio's area code two one Oh, and they got this triangle logo they put everywhere. And it's basically just, you know, running the ball special teams and playing good defense. And it's like, it's basic stuff that any culture exists anywhere in the football locker room, but they, they've bought into it and, you know, they won 30 games in three years and, two championships. So it's worked, you, you know, so they, they, everybody around him loves Jeff. Uh, he, he's a really good coach, a great interview. I mean, he, he doesn't BS uh, a lot. And then he's got these wild, you know, isms, Jeff trailer isms every once in a while. JJ, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I, you know, I, when I started my career covering an FCS team for a couple of years, I noticed that, you know, cause that, it, that team Chattanooga was in the league with app state and Georgia Southern, which at the time were, you know, competing for the FCS title routinely, right? And and so I got to see a lot of that FCS ball. And I realized that even those FCS teams, they would have like two to four guys who would play on an SEC team. Maybe not like a Georgia or Alabama or maybe not like a Tennessee last season, but like most SEC teams, like they would have some guys 
who would play some. And, and it would be sometimes guys that were smaller in high school um, but and then just grew later. Sometimes it was guys who had maybe gotten in trouble or gotten off to a bad start early at, a, at an FBS program and then transferred down. But all those teams had at least a couple. So then I would imagine you take a team like UTSA and you're certainly going to multiply that number. Like there are guys on that team who would either start or definitely at least play a good bit for Tennessee. I know I don't know how much SEC ball you're able to watch on a weekly basis because you're covering another league, obviously. But um, how many guys on that UTSA roster just spitballing it would you think like would would get reps at Tennessee? I imagine it's not like a tiny number. I imagine there's at least a few guys who who would who would go out there and, and walk in there tomorrow to Knoxville and get reps. Yeah, I mean, I'd say a handful, maybe two handfuls of guys, six to eight, maybe. I mean, Rocco Griffin, a running back, he transferred in from Vanderbilt this last cycle, and he was in the mix to start at Vanderbilt. Um, Jeff Trailer went viral over the summer for calling out programs for tampering with NIL. And, I mean, there were seven guys that almost left, but they were able to hold on to them, to big Power 5 schools. I'm talking... SEC, Pac-12, Big 12 schools. So the talent is there. I mean, Trey Moore at outside linebacker is an All-American, uh, freshman All-American last year. He could play anywhere. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play this week because he got an ankle injury last week, but he's going to try to give it a go. So, I mean, the talent is there. Uh, wide receivers is Akari Franklin transferred from UTSA to Ole Miss this last. That yeah. that was the big departure in the offseason. So the the talent is there. Um, it's tech, it's Texas, you know, they recruit Texas just as good as anyone, anybody else does. There's only so many spots these guys could go to, and they've done a good job of keeping the relationships there, even though, you know, you go to a power five, uh, program, they've been real successful in the transfer portal because, you know, a lot of times you, uh, these young guys go to a power five, they think they're going to be, you know, playing and they end up sitting for a few years and it's not what they want and they want to come back home or near home. So UTSA's got a good fit there. And as long as, you know, Trailer continues to recruit at the same level he has, there'll always be a handful of, you know, power five guys on this roster. JJ, you mentioned the defense for UTSA earlier and, and, and talked about kind of their expectations going into the season. I believe you referenced it as a dominant defense or, or something along those lines. Just who are the key players uh, on defense that I'm sure Tennessee is is very aware of going into Saturday? Yeah, for, for me, it starts at the, the defensive line. They play three down linemen, and they list nine guys, three at each each of the three positions, and they play all three of them. Like They'll, they'll rotate them mid-series, in and out. Um, so there's not one real – big number guy there because they rotate so much but um the outside linebacker Trey Moore he's I mean he started off the the two games the first two games with with four sacks five tackles for loss he holds the record he set 18 and a half tackles for loss last season so even though he missed half of the last game he's still on pace for a record-breaking season here um Rashad Wisdom is kind of the leader in in the safety uh, position. Uh, so a couple of guys, you know, they have Nick Troy Fortune at cornerback. He transferred in from West Virginia last year, uh, a big impact player. And, you know, just a solid defense overall. I don't know that there's not that many stars 
uh, on the defense. They they haven't forced a turnover yet this season. They're one of a handful of teams that haven't had a turnover. So while they they've been pretty good two out of the three games, they're still looking to get into that turnover column and you know improve from last week. Certainly, that's a really interesting sounding matchup for me because Tennessee's got. You know, UTSA likes to rotate a lot of bodies on defense, and if there's not like a couple of – there's a couple of stars, but if there's not stars across the board, there's strength in numbers. And Tennessee's offense, in theory, is designed to not let you substitute because they, they don't they don't make changes that, you know, they – unless the official comes over and kicks the ball, which happened once against Florida. <laughs> that, in that case, you can go in there and make all the subs you want, apparently. But traditionally speaking – it's hard to do that, so um, I, I wonder about that matchup, and that that will be an interesting thing for me in terms of the the offensive line for UTSA, because uh, Tennessee, I actually I think Tennessee's got a lot of concerns on the back end of the defense. Even though Keenan Peely, the linebacker, still out with an injury, I don't have a ton of concerns about Tennessee's front seven. I think some of those missed task- tackles against Florida kind of a bad day um you know secondary they've had several bad days before so that that's a trend but for Tennessee's front seven I think those guys had a bad week so that makes me think that if they're dialed in this week they're they're gonna kind of pin the ears back and go and and try to 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 kind of make up for that and kind of get the taste out of their mouth so with that said what's UTSA situation like up front on the offensive line because I think Tennessee's gonna come after them yeah, so something like three plays after Frank Harris suffered his turf toe injury, UTSA lost their starting right tackle, Makai Hart, uh, on the same drive. And he, luckily, he's not done for the season, but it's going to be a you know long-term injury. So they're shuffling guys along the offensive line. They moved the starting center to right tackle. They moved up the backup center to center. The starting right guard went down with an injury recently so you know you got a brand new right side of the offensive line and then the left side of the offensive line is anchored by a left tackle that was a defensive lineman last year so they are thin they they started the season off with a few injuries during fall camp of guys they expected to either be starters or key contributors on the offensive line so this is sort of a makeshift shift offensive line unit and they've done okay i mean the the run production is there uh one of the great things frank harris does is you know buy time and escape uh, pressure with his feet and turn bad plays into great plays so he's his play is able to hide some of that stuff but with him down now it's more of a concern that yeah is there going to be enough time to throw the ball down the field so do we see quicker passing routes, intermediate routes, stuff across the middle. A lot of that remains to be seen. You know, this is a a first-time, first-year coordinator, Justin Burke, on offense. And the jury is still out on, you know, how he's going to try and increase the production because it certainly has been lacking, even though UTSA did have a season-high 29 points last week in limited opportunities because of the, the time of possession difference. There's still some question like, can this offense offense get going? Because in in the two previous seasons, you're talking about a record breaking offense with various, you know, various school records. And now they're just sputtering to start this year. So definitely uh, the the play of the offensive line is a huge concern. And I would not be surprised if we see, uh, 
you know, a handful of sacks this week just because I, I do think they're going to end up playing, you know, seven or eight offensive linemen in this game just to try and, you know, get through it, to be honest with you. Last thing I've got for you, JJ, is is just I'm curious about your overall thoughts on this game. Uh, what, what gives you confidence that UTSA can hang around and, and make this a four-quarter game? And uh, sounds like the offensive line w- would be – uh, the reason that gives you pause or, or concern to to why they wouldn't be able to hang around. Well, every time UTSA's played one of these big time Power Five opponents, they they've played up to the challenge. Now, I don't know if that's been the opponent sleeping a little bit or being having a, a hangover or looking past UTSA, which is certainly possible. But you know, last year at Texas, the the, the Roadrunners played the Longhorns for a half, as competitive as anybody did last season. Uh, they played Texas A&M hard, you know, a few seasons ago. So um, big, they 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 play up to to the competition. So there's talent on this team. Certainly, I could see, uh, you know, a big play going in the Roadrunner's favor here or there. I, I do think it's going to be competitive for a half. That that's what I would say. But you know, ultimately, that I mean, the what's the difference in in these sort of matchups? It's depth and size and strength, and it's like. A, it's only a matter of time before these guys wear down, I think. And, you know, from a UTSA standpoint, because they're so beat up in certain positions, you almost just want to get out of there healthy. And uh, obviously that's a concern because of the physical nature of some of the, the the positions in the defensive line. And then, you know, you just look at UTSA overall as a program. This is a, a payday game for the Roadrunners. I, I looked up the contract just before I jumped on here, $1.6 million payday for UTSA. That is the largest payday in UTSA history so far. So um, certainly, you know, they, they're hoping to be competitive and come out with a stunning upset win. But obviously it's a, it's a big game on a national TV network. And, you know, they got the guarantee to kind of fall back on and then hit the bye week and look to open conference play strong two weeks from now. Yeah, I think Tennessee caught a bit of a break with UTSA having some of those injury issues now because I know that when this game was scheduled, Tennessee was not necessarily prepared for UTSA to become what it did. And there's been a little bit of quiet grumbling in the offseason or for a couple of years about, is this really a game you still want to play? Like, that's a big buyout if you don't play it, but... You don't want to be seen ducking it, but it, it's do you really? It's right after you play Florida, and then you got South Carolina the next week. Like, do you really want to play that game? I think Tennessee's caught a little bit of a break here with some of the UTSA injuries. If I'm being honest, because I know those injuries, uh, and I don't like Tennessee's totally healthy either, but it's a it's a different thing. UTSA, you take a couple of the top guys out. That's a different that's a different deal there. But before I let you go, uh, JJ, there's two things. The first thing is how many, you know, I know you you don't know the exact number obviously be like oh it's going to be you know it's going to be 1802 but like how many utsa fans do you think will make this trip and and what what should tennessee people expect from them yeah i i thought it was going to be just a few hundred but it seems like you know maybe a thousand or more nice. just based on what, I, what what i'm seeing on social media utsa has a strong fan base of fans that like to travel to these different you know various locales that that you don't normally go we go to houston we go to dallas a lot you, you know all the conference games are kind of you know they've kind of been there done that but I, I think i saw someone driving up there in an rv 
uh, nice. th- this week. I, I, I know personally at least 100 people that are going. So it's going to be a, a good time. They're, they're respectful. They're fun. They like to chat. They like their UTSA chat. So, it, you know, when something goes right for the Roadrunners, you, you'll, you'll hear that. But I think they're, you know, excited to play in front of 100,000 fans potentially. I think this will be the fourth time UTSA's played in front of 100,000 fans or more. So it's a pretty big opportunity for the Roadrunners, and I think the fans are going to take advantage of it that are going. And the last thing that I got, tell people, please tell people how they can, you know, get a hold of you, get a hold of your work, the site, the socials, all that. How can people get some more J.J. Perez in their life? Yep, yep. You can follow me on on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, at the J.J. Perez. Uh, online at InsideRunnerSports.com. Lots of interviews, quotes, uh, notebook, you know, a, a whole bunch of stuff. Same thing you guys do just on a smaller scale down here in San Antonio. But yeah, InsideRunnerSports.com at DJJ Perez. I was told everything was bigger in Texas, sir. That's I have always Br- I have always been told that, including by my father in law who lives in Houston. I've always been told that everything is bigger in Texas. That's all I'm saying. Yep, the brisket, the brisket, the barbecue, everything, all of it, all of it. JJ, well, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks for thanks for being here, and uh, you know we'll see how this weekend goes. You never know. That's why they line up and play the games, right? Yep, yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, nobody, and I mean nobody covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that 
for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.